0: Hello, thank you for joining us on a new episode, uh, well, I mean, it's new now to me and you talking about it, of Why Theory. Uh, I am, of course, Ryan Engley, joined, of course, by Todd McGowan. Todd, how are you, dude?
1: I'm good, Ryan. How are you?
0: That's the first time I said dude. I always say buddy. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I You know, it's because after the Slavoj uh, interviews uh, episodes, we're just out of practice. So it's just a I little... know,
1: I know. This is the first one in a long time, just you talking to me. That's right,
0: yeah. Well, it's uh, we're well, good to be here. So, and today, this is uh, an episode we're going to talk about, hinted at uh, a little bit in the uh, most recent one that we've put out um, it, when we talked to, uh, well, when you talk to Slavoj about um, the section of your conversation about Hegel, we're talking about uh, contradiction as a uh, theoretical idea. And in this episode, what we're going to do um, is to talk both the importance of contradiction and in Hegel and a proper like understanding and reckoning with it. Um, that is sort of like the more historical side, like understanding like uh, Hegel historically. But all, I think the conversation is mainly going to hinge on what the stakes are for understanding it in our time, like the, right. the contemporary stakes for a proper understanding of contradiction. And we're going to do this nominally, at least in the beginning, through the uh, context of your new book, uh, which is titled... Uh, Uh, Emancipation After Hegel. Correct. Achieving a Contradictory Revolution. So we have Contradiction in the the subtitle. So, um, and this book's out now, right?
1: It is out, yeah. Yeah, I think End of May came out.
0: End of May, excellent. And uh, so, yeah, so like... um, we're gonna start this conversation again with your book and then your book's going to be like the rocket boosters for us to go talk about um, <laughs> everything else with, uh, yeah. with, with, with Hegel. Uh, so uh, if you uh, if you would not mind uh, telling the, the listeners the opening what, what's the opening idea of your book
1: So the gambit of the book I mean, yeah, yeah there we go yeah. yeah the gambit. So the gambit is that Hegel's been understood by and large as a philosopher of synthesis that mm. people associate him often with this thesis antithesis synthesis this triad and part of the and many people have debunked that so debunking that wasn't a it's not some kind of great revolutionary gesture but i did want to start with that as the common reading to say that it's almost 180 degrees incorrect Mm. that that the idea of him as a philosopher of synthesis actually masks the fact that he's a philosopher of in my mind, of contradiction, and that the point for of Hegel's philosophy and, and what he calls absolute knowing or the absolute idea, you always get to this, at the end point of his thought, you always get to this point of the absolute. And for him, mm-hmm. I think that's just a name for being reconciled with the intractability of contradiction. And that idea of intractability is important for me. And I see the movement in his thought not as we're solving we're continually solving contradictions getting to a mm-hmm. point where we there are less and less and we're getting rid of them but actually the opposite that it's a deepening of contradiction a movement toward a more intractable contradiction and so that idea i think is really important and i i think it nicely coincides with the psychoanalytic idea this is why i think the mm. conjunction today of hegel and freud and lacan is is makes complete sense if you look at if you take this as the trajectory of Hegel's thought then that idea really it it really brings them together because the idea of drive or that we're driven or that mm-hmm. our desire moves toward our own undoing mm-hmm. that idea i think is aligned with this 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 idea in Hegel that we're continually seeking out some deeper or more intractable contradiction and so that yeah. idea yeah, i great. think is that's the crucial idea for me
0: that's awesome. So I a couple things in what you said that I want to uh, tease out. So the yeah. um, thesis, uh, antithesis, synthesis. M- m- if people are hearing this for the first time, or if they know a little bit about Hegel, like that is um, un- understood, I think, widely as like that's dialectics. That's this is this is the, right. The dialectic. That's,
1: that's like the shorthand for dialectics, correct? Right.
0: But what you said, and I think this is an important point to expand upon, is that understanding Hegel as a Philosopher of synthesis, like taking that movement literally, it actually obscures dialectics, right? Correct. Like, would you say that?
1: Correct. Yeah. Okay. I, I agree with that. That that dialectics is not a movement of resolution; it's mm. a movement of a movement toward increasing the problem, like like the, mm. the problem, like exacerbating the problem. Probing into the problem—that's what Mm -hmm. dialectics is. Dialectics is not about solving the problem, and I think that. So, for one thing, those words never appear in Hegel. Like he never (laughs) says, he never says thesis, antithesis, synthesis one single time. So it's a kind Mm. of amazing misreading. But I do think you're right that that it's, and also like that to take that as the shorthand for dialectics is really very problematic I think and and not only problematic it's just completely wrong and and mm. the fact that that's become the way of thinking dial- about dialectics it just shows how far afield a lot of people are about about what dialectics means
0: well yeah so like the so the claim then is and I, I think it's a good one that like because he never literally says thesis synthesis synthesis the only way to like Grafting that onto Hegel makes him, I mean, I think you would agree with this. It makes him seem simpler. Right. I mean, of course. Yeah. 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 So, it so makes Hegel old,
1: seem simpler. It makes him yeah. seem, it also makes him seem more optimistic. I think that's the one thing, like, mm. that, a lot of people that want to attack Hegel attack him as a philosopher who's too optimistic about history. Or, But I think if there's a way in which, if you think of Hegel the way I think of him, mm-hmm. he's maybe the most pessimistic philosopher of all time. Like, he's not about... Because there never is really a solution. And there's mm-hmm. never... Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is true of Freud, I think, that, we, that Freud yeah. thinks we can't act... We never act for our own good. And I think Hegel thinks along the same lines, that we're always seeking to create a deeper problem for ourselves rather than f- seeking to f- find a solution to the problems that we have.
0: So this, this is a really, really nice point because I think, don't you think that it's, um, I think a lot of people in the contemporary world uh, actually uh, like agree with that or they, they acknowledge that, yeah but their, their solution, I think their solution is just don't, think like that just don't think about the problems just live for the moment like just you know you need to like you know i you know i really should do yoga because like i gotta tell you my hamstrings are like ridiculously tight like they just need to be i just need to stretch out i need to stretch every day like i totally need to do that but that's not going to fix like i don't know i think there's this idea that like you do these little things uh uh in and it occupies your day, like so, you, you so your your mind is not occupied. I guess, right? Like distract
1: yourself, or or find little, right? I think that's right. Find little ways to get through the day. That yeah. allow you not to think about the larger, the larger right. contradiction. To use so yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So like if the yeah, so it's sort of like if the distraction is toward a, like supposed like a supposed intention of like well being, then it's then it's fine. But right. if it's like I don't know, video games or Candy Crush, or whatever, it's a bad distraction or distraction. I, I, that's a nice slip from me. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, and that's a. Anyway, that that needs to be done away with. But so anyway, so I think that's maybe one of the one of the ways that like uh, you're thinking of of Hegel like intervenes into, um, like the contemporary intellectual space. Which yeah, is that, like Yeah, when like when people people are always. I mean, this is the this is the problem that like Freud never he didn't think he it just occupied his thought like forever after he discovers the drive like and if and if you accept the drive which is this like like inevitable, like not just inevitable, but this, like this motor, uh, yeah. uh to undermine in everyone, then, right. W- then what do you, what do you do? <laughs> what do, I know, you do I after know. that? It's like,
1: it, I think th- the word I always think of is inexorable. Like it's an inexorable yeah, drive. Great. Like, it, and so I feel like that you're right. Like it doesn't give you, there's no nice solution from that. Right. And I think that's true of Haeckel's thought as well, that there's no nice solution. And which is interesting because I think, I mean, this gets to a thing I talk about at the very end of the book the way in which Marxism kind of takes over it takes over that bad reading of dialectic from and, and turn and imposes that on Hegel and wants to mm-hmm. really find a solution. Like, I think Marxism is about and Marx is about trying to find a solution where Hegel doesn't see any solution. Mm-hmm. And so, that I think is I find that pretty interesting and that whole. So it, almost immediately after Hegel died there was this divide between right hegelianism and left hegelianism and the right mm-hmm. just like the name suggests were conservative and they mm-hmm. thought and they were much more theological and so they much they took much more of Hegel's emphasis on Christianity and we could talk about that in a little bit but um, mm-hmm. that so that that Christian aspect of Hegel was associated with the conservative or the right. And then the left, they were all, almost all atheists. And Marx is the big, before him, Feuerbach and, Mm -hmm. and some other people, Bruno Bauer. But, um, but, but Marx was the main one and, and they, they were completely, they, they stripped away Christianity and they also stripped away this Hegel's affection for the state. And they, they thought that they could, they, by doing that, they, and they thought that they could be true to some aspect of Hegel's thought that would find a real solution to, to contradiction. And so they, mm. th- so I think that is a key... So not only is there this divide in Hegel, but it's almost like as Hegel divides into right and left, both sides misunderstand dialectic as mm. the mm. drive to a solution.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, so that, that's, I think
1: that's a key thing.
0: Would you say, too, um, I mean, this may... Well, whatever. Like the, it might put us a far afield for a second, but would you, would yeah. you? I find it really interesting. Like after Freud, there's ego psychology, which in right. the point of ego psy- psychology is is to find an end, right, to analysis right, and, and yeah. toward personal like completion, personal growth,
1: it, completion, y- right? Yeah. yeah,
0: and Lacan Lacan obviously appears as a figure uh, I think most strongly against that. Like at right. the time of its development. So right. do you do you link the that? Do you link that misreading to to what happened to to Hegel? Like, uh, yeah, in, I think in, that's in really good, Ryan. I, yeah. yeah,
1: I think it's really good. I mean, I think I say somewhere I think it may be in the first line of the book that every in their afterlife every thinker undergoes a catastrophe, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, and I think Freud's is ego psychology, right? Yeah. And Nietzsche's is probably Nazism, which is yeah, <laughs> maybe probably. worse. Yeah. But Hegel's is this divide I think into right and left. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the but maybe the larger catastrophe, as you're suggesting, is this, the reading of the turning of dialectic into some idea of solution and thesis, antithesis, synthesis as the, as the vehicle for the solution.
0: Well, it's like finding a prescription for contradiction. Like, that's like that's kind of, you know, and and that I think mirrors, like, just, I don't know, if you watch TV in America, like, tell your doctor to prescribe you, you know, it's just like, (laughs) are you having, like, a moment of discomfort? Don't, stop. (laughs) Don't think about it. Like, get this, it'll help. I think you're right. It It, it
1: becomes prescription. That's really good. Yeah.
0: Um, And I think, so this, uh, we, we talked about this in the setup to the episode, is that, like, it's, I think it's really hard To overstate how uh, damaging and sort of like widespread, like like understanding uh, dialectics, like in this way as this like movement towards synthesis really is, because it it has a a contemporary uh, corollary in this like uh, ideological assumption that like uh, bipartisanship is always like the best,
1: right? It's the best
0: thing, you know. You like you'll see this in America, you'll see this in New York Times and in Washington Post that like. uh, bipartisan uh, uh, solutions to things, like moderate solutions. This is the best. It's like the the very west wing understanding of how a government should be run. And there is all this. There's all this data that says that, uh, you know, the the most amount of legislation that's passed in in the United States is bipartisan. And so then that therefore is the best way to run a government. But that's that's the term best that's never like theorized or thought like what it like what is what is sort of best and 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 in this again in this sort of like ideological thing like what we what we cover what we paper over i think is the very thing that you're talking about what we paper over is uh is is contradiction is that right is that, is that right. fair to say
1: yeah no i think it's totally fair to say and i think that and i think the opposition even isn't a symmetrical one right like mm. the opposition isn't between Oh, there's one side here, and there's one side here, and then yeah. and the, and the opposition between them is contradictory. I don't right. think that's the case at all. I think, in fact, leftism, to my mind, is equated with the insistence on contradiction. I think that's the inheritance of Hegel, and I mm. think, on the other hand, right right wing thought is an attempt to find harmony, attempt to overcome contradiction. Like that's the the mm-hmm. essence of right wing thinking about politics is that a harmonious situation is possible. And I think the essence right. of left-wing thinking is, no, we have to bring the contradiction to a head, not so as to solve it, but so mm-hmm. as to reconcile. So I think that's the key thing. Like, yeah, yeah, So yeah, Hegel has this term, yeah. he calls he this term is reconciliation to in in German. And mm-hmm. a lot of people take that to mean, like, we're going to reconcile the contradiction, as in... Right get rid of it, but I think mm-hmm. his his point is, no, we're reconciled to the contradiction, that is mm. reconciled to the intractability of it, that we're can't, that it's the, the contradiction, and I think this is what he calls absolute knowing, the mm. contradiction is is irresolvable, it's irreducible, so we can't, and I think that's the, I think I would align that with left-wing political thinking mm-hmm. in, in opposition to right, and I think you're exactly right that this, the idea of synthesis is the ultimate of that is we'll meet in the middle. We'll find some right. kind of... Comp- like The idea of a politics mm. of compromise, mm. I think, is linked to this reading of Hegel as a philosopher of synthesis. I mean, it's, it seems like it's the same impulse that leads to both things, right? Like, we, mm. we, we want to find something to bring together these two opposing things. Because I think it's interesting, and I th- Hegel would never have said this, and I, I have a little chapter about how Hegel, how he doesn't really have the all the terminology needs because he's thinking Mm. before freud and so if he (laughs) if we you know once once freud comes along Mm. we can understand him better and i think i think that's i really think that and i think so i I think that the problem is almost one of consciousness itself that consciousness is geared toward solution Mm -hmm. right And, and i think that how you and I both understand unconscious is that it's precisely not geared to solution. It's geared right. to, to, to undermining solution. It's like, it's, it's a logic of self-undermining. Well, you know, so, uh,
0: yeah, well, I was sorry. just going to say, on that point, it's I, I think it, it actually goes to the point of reconciliation, like uh, like reconcile to the contradiction, yeah, not yeah, reconcile yeah. of. Yeah. Like I, you know, Lacan says, or no, no, sorry, uh, Freud says this, that we're, we're, uh, we're subject of the unconscious. And I think what he really means is we're subject to, the to unconscious. the unconscious. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, and I think, but yeah. subject
1: of would make sense if you could just like you just said, like, like, con- like, isn't the only thing you can do consciously is reconcile yourself to, yeah, yeah, the problem of the unconscious. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, find, right. like, you, like yeah.
0: yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. So, like, so, yeah, the only thing, you know, the only thing you can do in, in sort of like conscious, uh, like your, like, I don't know, waking life is, is to, uh, as you move through, like literally, as you walk and move through the day, you're uh, uh, attempting in oh, I don't know, real time to like like reconcile with this contradiction, this uh, of, of the unconscious, right, right, right so, yeah. Right. That's that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I'll, uh, I think that. So, okay, so it's. Uh, thinking against this is kind of the what what i wanted to set up is that on the on the one side you have this uh this notion of of hegel as a simple liberal philosopher right. of right. like just attending to differences maybe like of opinion like and, right. and, and you know and the stakes for thinking him that way it's like well like one he's really easy to dismiss and it's kind of like um You know, in that essay, I always think, I think this this is, we haven't talked about this on the podcast, but more recently, I think it's one of Freud's most important ones. The one where, uh, it's it's titled something like a a problem in the path of psychoanalysis. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. And it's the one where he, he lays out the, um, the three most important thinkers in, in Western Civilization, the history of Western Civilization, and he includes himself, of course. Right. Uh, be, um But the first one is Copernicus, and the reason yeah. is because he decenters uh, humanity from the center of the universe. And right. then the second one is Darwin, Darwin because right. he decenters uh, humanity. At, like, he makes he makes humans an animal.
1: Right, and, no and longer it, the, the, the point of creation.
0: Exactly, yeah. Right. And then for what Freud does is he... Uh, decenters the you in in you right the the right. the ego means that the master isn't is not at home We're, right is that or what's the, the
1: line the, no the ego is not the master of its own house the, the
0: ego thank you very much the the yeah. ego is not the master of its own house yeah and um and I think and so what Freud goes on to say later or in that in that essay which the the problem that he that that he's addressing is that if you are uh, a, a thinker. In this way, that uh, the, the ego means that the, the you know... Oh, my God, how am I not... I'm not nailing this again. you tell me tell me the line again.
1: <laughs> uh, the ego's not the master in its own house.
0: Ego's not the master of its own house. let um, If you are someone who is saying that, you will be rejected by uh, a society, scientific society. Like, it, yeah. it's, it's such... To say that causes such a, a a schism in in thought in the in the self, and it it, it produces a, a wider one in like the world of thought. So the problem is how 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 do you get people to understand this thing that they will want to reject that their ego will want to reject, right?
1: Right. Right.
0: Um, and it seems like the same thing happened to. Hegel, where like the, the this, I, this understanding of, of, of contradiction is too it's well, like, what do you do with it? It's too messy. And so, and again, I don't think that there, there are any, any people like, I don't think this is an, intentional, but like, if you make Hegel a simpler thinker, it's right. easier to reject, and then you don't have to deal with contradiction, and then it's fine you can think about then then what you can do I mean I, I maybe Marx is even guilty of this too then what you can do is erase it through communism and you don't have to deal with, right. with that thing that is like like inexorable this thing that this this like this tension that you cannot get rid of this is the yeah. same tension that that Freud notes uh, with the unconscious and, and the ego so anyway
1: yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think that, I mean, I think that Hegel, the, the, I think the connection between Hegel and Freud is really palpable just in the way that you're talking about. And I think it's, again, Hegel has no no theory of the unconscious, but mm-hmm, in a mm-hmm. certain sense, like, I think his his understanding of contradiction is, a, is already points toward a theory of the unconscious that we're all, all the time, because what it means to say that we're, we can't escape contradiction. Is to is that, that we're always thinking against ourselves, and we yeah. and we, that we can't avoid that thinking against ourselves, and that you know that I, like you pointed this out to me a while ago that I use this term self betrayal that there's a mm. sense oh, of yeah, yeah, yeah. that there's always a sense of self betrayal in in subjectivity for for Hegel, and and if you look through any of his books, like part of what he's doing in each section, like if you just take the any section of the phenomenology, like the sense certainty section, for instance, the first section, um, what he's doing is showing how, in attempting to articulate this position of sense certainty, that is, all I can know it as true is what my senses perceive is true, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm. or senses sense is true because perception's already the next
0: category. The next um, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, so, so if I if that's true, then I, the, but the problem is that in attempting to articulate this position, I betray myself. Mm-hmm. and show that I actually know a lot more than just my sense percep, my sense
0: my <laughs> sense funny. certainty. Yeah. I
1: actually know much more than that in the very way that I articulate sense certainty itself. So that idea, I think is really important that, that that and you can, I think, see the germ of an mm. idea of unconscious in that notion that, as I'm speaking, I'm betraying my intention because you know yeah, Freud yeah. Freud doesn't say it like this. This is more Lacan, but like my intention is what I mean is the signified. And yeah. then what I say is the signifier. Signifier. Yeah. And yeah. the signifier betray and, and Lacan says the signified or what I intend is always imaginary. So there's this mm-hmm. that my what I imaginarily intend gets betrayed by the signifier itself, what I say, and that my desire is mm-hmm. on the level of the signifier what i say and mm-hmm. not on the level of what i mean or intend that's why of course when you make a slip and you say oh no no what i meant is x mm-hmm. no what really is no. important is what you said the first time right like yes that's the whole point of the freudian slip and so i mm-hmm. think that's true <laughs> like there's hegel almost has throughout the whole phenomenology a theory of the freudian slip like mm-hmm. it's it's all about the way in which what in the attempt to articulate what you mean by a certain position, you're actually already giving us a, new, a different position that's implicit in the position that you're trying to argue but can't be articulated by it.
0: I, I think it is for this exact reason that um, when, like, uh, okay, so Mari Rudy, um, when I was at UVA, Mari Rudy gave a talk and uh, at, uh, she was talking about her book, um, The Case for Falling in Love. Yeah. And one of the things she was saying was how surprised she was. Like, people who were really... Would contact her via email, like because there's a chapter about Lacan in there, and this was like this was a not a, a the- theoretical book. This is like a mass market book, right? And she was really like surprised. like a lot of people.
1: Like it really is a book. Like people it, really read it. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. Not it's like not the book right. Like people really exactly. read it. Yeah. People really read it. Yeah, and she was surprised by the number of people who contacted her wanting to know more about this Lacan guy. They never heard of him. Like where could they? Like where where how could she point them toward you know more, uh, and. I that was like a really confirming and validating thing for me, and I tried to articulate this to her after her talk. And I don't know if I if I if I got it out right, but like, I I actually think that on on some level this is it's maybe the same thing with Hegel, but this is the um, the fault and the virtue of psychoanalysis, which is that on some level I think everyone innately really gets a lot of the core points, but because yeah. everyone really gets it, it's very easy to dismiss as being simple and not having enough uh, uh, to to teach you because. It, that that thing that you just said, I, I use this as an example all the time when I teach, everyone who has ever been in a fight with someone that they are like their family member or right. like a partner and everyone knows it's not what you mean. It's what you said. Everyone right. knows this. Everyone knows. Everyone right. knows. This. Like that reveals so much more and you, you can't sew it back up. It's like, well, no, 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 no. no. I meant... No, everyone understands that it's right. it's on the level of what right. you said, and that there is a betrayal, right? That reveals more, and that's and that's the whole thing, and then that, and then that's the step that psychoanalysis and Hegel makes is that if what you think the point is is like, well, I I need to make the thing that I say always match up with the thing that I mean. Well, now we're in the level of ego psychology, and now right. actually right. we're in the level of, of papering over contradiction, right. and 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 we're never reckoning with with it, but if instead you take from that point and to say like, well, maybe the, like you're going to look at like, well, let's say this is, if this is an imminent feature, you know, with an a, if this is an imminent feature to like psychic life, right. Then
1: what do you do with
0: that? (laughs) Like, how do you deal with? Yeah. yeah, Yeah. I
1: think I totally agree with what you're saying. I think that's really, really well put that, that the, that the, the, you it's it's just you cannot get over it you can't right. and I think that that's what but what's what's funny is I think the t- trajectory of Hegel's and I think Freud is not guilty of this mm. the trajectory I'm not, I don't think guilty in a bad way but he just doesn't mm. do this the trajectory of Hegel's books is all because it seems to be moving in a progressive mm. fashion mm-hmm. I think it lends us to thinking about it in terms of solution right like it, Got it. It, yeah. it it makes us think like oh and and even as you move from one section to another it's like oh wait a minute perception solves the problem of sense certainty right um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you know skepticism <laughs> solves the problem of stoicism but i think right. i think that's very misleading and i think the yeah. key is that that you have to say that his point is no the problem becomes exacerbated yeah and, and taken to a higher level in perception mm-hmm. than it was in sense certainty but it doesn't go away like right. like that what's the easy problem of sense certainty goes away and thus perception and I, I it's it's fascinating because I think it's true that Hegel's books get harder as you move along. Mm-hmm. And to a person, and I find this very fascinating, to a person the commentary on Hegel, it's mm-hmm. always totally focused on the earlier chapters. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. Almost really completely beautiful. goes away. Like I, I forget. I don't want to pick on this person, so I'm glad I don't remember their name. But there's a <laughs> there's a there's a it's a really good actually um, a commentary on phenomenology of spirit, and it and mm-hmm. it um, and it does the first it does consciousness self consciousness, and then it gets to reason, and it's like, well, I've kind of already given you the main structure of how hegel's thought works so i'm just going to briefly cover all the sections that remain <laughs> I'm like wait a minute that's not yeah. fair like you yeah. already you just did the easy ones like i already know these like give us much more on the later ones but it, yeah to a person they don't and look it's understandable because the earlier ones are the more famous ones and they're of mm-hmm. course but the main thing is they're easier right? They're just yeah. easier. And the contradiction gets more difficult as you go along until it become, until we get to this point where, and the absolute is seeing, I think the absolute is is, reckons what what Freud might say, call the end of analysis. You know, it's the mm. recognition that I'm going to ha- always have this trouble attached yeah. to me and I'm never going to get rid of it. And I think that's the, and the, mm-hmm. the question I, then I try to, Think about in the book is how that could be tied to a political project, and I mm. think it would have to. Like I even say this is way too hyperbolic, I think, but I say that <laughs> Marxism is a right wing deviation of of Hegel and German idealism. And I think well, we kind of talked. We kind of talked about. And we we'll did like, talk it, about this. I yeah, know. Yeah. I know, yeah. Know,
0: yeah. I no. No. So, and, and I think no. I think the articulation is well, is uh, is convincing. Like if you take if you take the definition of right wing philosophy as to eliminate. A contradiction and to overcome yeah. it. And how does the right try to do it? It's like, well, ah, no immigrants. Uh, it's right. like, um, right. you know, like, like, oh, poor right. people. Like you know, the, 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 it's their fault. If they die, like, who cares? Oh, health insurance, get a better job. Like we should get rid of it. Like all these, again, all these problems are for everyone individually to solve. And then there's no like larger state apparatus that should intervene or, or do anything. And then, and, and to think that that's the problem.
1: Don't, well, it's that. interesting. Don't you think yeah. that it's interesting that two. um, Twin solutions, like the solution of the right, is just like you said, is exile. It's like yeah. let's get these parts out, and then yeah. what will be left with? And the solution of the left is inclusion. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, we yeah, can yeah. bring everything in, and yeah. I think they're both obviously they're both mistaken because the point is that neither of those is going to get rid of the of the of the contradiction. Like the it's true. So, so, yeah. yeah. So no, 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 no. It's
0: a great point because the, the point of, I think the point of the mainstream left is that like if we just like if I I mean I think this is always it is that like if we get enough people right this is the difference this is between the difference between an all and a universal if we get enough people if we get this is the lure of representation if we get enough representation if we get enough if we get then the problems will solve themselves right if you think about
1: even the the pet issues of the left they're all oriented around this like voting rights like of course I'm for voting rights but but like like if every if we make sure that everyone votes that that doesn't solve. A contradiction no, that doesn't no. ensure that the left is going to win so that's not mm-hmm. that's an empty solution like open immigration that's certainly not going to ensure that the left wins so so all these ways mm-hmm. these like let's just add more let's add more to the, and then we'll get to the all i think you're right yeah. like that idea of the plus one or they like keep yeah. adding more and more and more, or the all the 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 universal as all, not as universal. I think the, those yeah. are those are all the leftist errors, but I think they're all errors, interestingly, of inclusion and mm-hmm. versus the right. You know, let's how do we escape contradiction, either inclusion or exclusion? So, I think that's an yeah. interesting opposition. So Today.
0: on this on this point, I want to read from your book on page twenty eight because you did mention self betrayal, and I okay. think that it's it's good to move like I think forward from here well, yeah, with this. Yeah. But this, this way we're already right. to page twenty eight. Wow, already <laughs> to page twenty eight. So yeah. the next
1: uh, three hours we will be done.
0: We'll do Well, no, we'll do exactly the thing that you said about Hegel. We're going to focus on the introduction and then we're going to breeze through the rest of the book. Yeah. 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 Um, So Contradiction, this is you, uh, Contradiction has the sense of speaking against oneself, a self-betrayal that every entity undergoes. In the attempt to announce their identity, subjects expose themselves as being at odds with themselves. Now, I think we just talked about this, so I'm not going to ask you to explain it because I think that that we we explained that well. Yeah. it, well, I have no idea, uh, but, but we definitely, we definitely, talk it's about explained it. whether it's, it's well explained or <laughs> well or not. Yeah. Right. There's this, yeah. I'd love cause I, I, cause I can't go an episode without doing this. There's a, uh, an episode of the Simpsons that you would love because it's very, it's called Rosebud. Uh, and it's a very much a Citizen Kane, like, yeah. like episode. Yeah. And, um, it's about, uh, Mr. Burns having lost his bear as childhood bear, like, right. Like yeah. he's the, the Kane figure. And, right. Uh, right. Uh, Maggie ends up with it and then uh, uh, Mr. Burns offers millions and millions of dollars and the Homer won't give up the bear because his daughter loves it and then eventually she gives it over to him and then Homer's trying to work out like, wait a minute, Mr. Burns got what he wanted and we didn't. Is this a happy ending? I don't know. And then Marge <laughs> says, I think this is one of the great lines from a TV show about TV. Uh, is it a So Homer says, is it a happy ending or not? And she says, it's an ending. That's enough. I think... <laughs> We could do another, we could do an episode on TV show endings, which is obviously firmly in my wheelhouse, but like that, I think, I think people, it's an ending. That's enough. That's, that's really all that you get. So anyway, we explained it. That's enough. But what I want to talk about with that, with that line, with what you're talking about with self-betrayal, um, why, I think it's so like understandable. Like I I think to say self-betrayal instead of contradiction, like it, it, it actually starts to to Make say sense. self yeah 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 i think self betrayal makes sense of like the idea of contradiction so why do we need uh and this is a leading question i don't i don't believe this but why do we need contradiction instead of just saying something like self betrayal why do we not change the term why is it understanding co- contradiction why is that the important thing
1: yeah i or, like this i like this question call i'm going to say a couple of things so first of all sure. i think it's true that hegel it's weird that he keeps the terminology of traditional philosophy mm-hmm. while he's trying to set this philosophy on its head, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So, so that that I think is a, is something that's sort of implicit in your co- question. Why do that? Mm-hmm. And so I think part of it is he wants to show how the problems that we've inherited from traditional philosophy are we can we can think them through in the terms of traditional philosophy and find and show how they end up in that traditional philosophy has no solution for its own problems so that's that's so i think part of it is that he wants to show that there's not that inventing something new is mm-hmm. not going to shed some new light on things and then provide so and provide some kind of nice new way to 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 solve things so i think part of it is he doesn't want to change the terms because he wants to show that there is no solution so the new terms aren't going to provide a solution mm-hmm. the new there's nothing like he's he, i don't think he thinks that i'm bringing some new concept to bear i'm just taking the logic that philosophy has given us and mm. following it to its end point okay that's that's mm. one point okay but i i think i think ultimately it's a it's a, the 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 stakes of it are really even even more profound that he that self-betrayal works pretty well for human subjects, right? Like for for subjects. I think it it makes a lot of sense, but I think it doesn't make sense. And this is why I think this is maybe the most radical part of Hegel's idea is that he's not just, and in some way he takes what is for the German idealist tradition before him an epistemological problem. Like Kant already saw the way in which knowledge ended up in contradiction. That's the, Mm basic idea of the transcendental dialectic and the critique of pure reason, Hegel wants to say, you know what? Actually contradiction has an ontological, not just an epistemological status. And so Got I it. think yeah. if we think of it that way, then like, could you really say that being betrays itself? I mean, that right, that doesn't right, right, seem right. that doesn't make as yeah, much sense yeah. as mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but if you can say being is itself contradictory, and I think that's right. what he wants to say. He wants to yeah. say because and I think he thinks he can prove it. And he thinks, he can say, because we cannot escape contradiction, we know that we must have, that being itself must be contradictory because how could it produce us who can't escape contradiction <laughs> right, if right. it itself didn't have the capacity for contradiction within it? So it's in, it's an interesting way of of thinking about of connecting problems of knowledge to problems of being or ontolo- ontological problems. So I think that's why I think self betrayal doesn't really go far enough in translating this. So I think self betrayal works great for psychoanalysis. Yeah. But yeah, psychoanalysis doesn't want to make an ontological claim necessarily. Maybe it does. I mean, Elenka Zipansek might say that it does. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, but, I don't think it, ne- it explicitly does. And I think Hegel wants to make an ontological claim. That's why I think, for him, contradiction has to... I mean, self-betrayal can help us understand it on the on the subjective level, but right. translating it to ontology, I think contradiction is necessary. I don't know. What do I you think, think of that?
0: No, no, no. I think that's a great answer. And I—I I, one of the things that occurred to me in your answer is that uh, part of the... I, I think, you know, again, to answer my own question, like... Uh, I think that one of the problems with it is that if if we're just thinking about self-betrayal then it um, well, I think we run the risk of turning Hegel into a nominalist thinker. Right. right. And if we if it's just and I, I think this is maybe also a problem that like psychoanalysis run, runs into is that like um, there's this tension. I think it's productive and really interesting, but there's a tension in psychoanalysis because you have the the clinical side, which is literally like one person talking to another person. Like, so it's very, on that level, it's very individualistic, but then, um, what, uh, the critical thinking, like the, the theoretical thought is, is, uh, to expand the clinic outward as, as a, as a social. So there's this, I think there's this, um, really productive tension between the, the particular and the universal in, in psychoanalysis. I find it really fascinating, but I think if we reduce if we take away the term contradiction and we make it just self betrayal. Then it, it seems like well then if everyone does their part of recognizing it on an individual level, then it then it's fine. And I think you run into the then that makes Hegel a liberal philosopher in another way, which is again it's this this lure of the of you know again the mainstream left in America right now, which is that if we just put the right people in the right place, the problems will solve themselves. Like we don't even have to think about them really. Like whatever the real contradiction is, we can just get the problems to take care of themselves. And I think that is kind of the danger in stepping away from contradiction as the as the term is it it makes it too if, if self-betrayal while more explicable um i think right off the bat um and attractive for that reason it it just it ties it too much into into like like everyone's individual problem to solve in their own way and i think that's not uh that's certainly not what hegel's on about
1: right right i mean you're right it does it both Eliminates the ontological dimension and it eliminates the social dimension. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I think that's exactly right. And I, I do one one way that he tries to understand what contradiction is. He has this formula I've said before on the podcast, but I, I, I think it bears repeating because it's so hard to make sense of that. <laughs> identity is the identity of identity and difference. And I think that I think I, I like to think of this in a my favorite yeah, example. Yeah. I'm going to tease it out myself. Yeah, yeah. So it's that we can't, that our identity is made up of also what's different from us. And he, he okay. gives the example of, this isn't his exact example, but he does a talk about the way in which anim, this is true of animals when they just eat something, like the okay. eating something. Like it, it so initially, and my, my favorite example, I don't ever eat these things, but <laughs> um, eating live goldfish. Like, like, so if you okay. eat a live goldfish, so the question is at what point, is the goldfish part of you, and is, at what point does it cease to be a separate goldfish? You know, is it the yeah. point at which the goldfish is it the point at which the goldfish enters your mouth? Well, probably not, because it's still alive and it's maybe swimming around down your stomach. Yeah, right, um, right. <laughs> so, is it the point at which it dies? Maybe, but is it? Could you like cut the person's stomach open, get it out, revive the goldfish, and is the goldfish then like, then we would say it's separate? So, I think it's interesting that that. That example of eating the live goldfish shows that I'm myself, but Mm -hmm. it's hard to say exactly at the point at which the thing that is different from me becomes part of my identity, right? Right, And I think that's for him, that that, that moment of, or the fact that there is no precise moment. I mean that's why I think that's the key for him. Yeah, yeah, that's the point. That there's no precise moment at the thing at which the thing that's and you know it's funny that he did not know about contemporary biology and physics and didn't know that we you know if you think if you look at the body or any any being it's constantly losing molecules and gaining molecules from the air around it even so it's interesting that isn't this the missing link thing
0: like Lacan even says this I think in seminar seven like that that the that psychoanalysis is ni- neither is not it's not religion because like what right. religion does is it is it sees gaps and it it puts god there and what science does is it just looks for something like it continually looks for the missing link and that there's psychoanal- something in
1: the gap. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what psychoanalysis does is to say that there is the gap. I mean this is the sort of my reading, maybe my entire reading of Lacan is that there is there, there, is, there the is gap. There is the gap. We, yeah, yeah. we yeah. need to we yeah. need to reckon with you yeah, you reckon yeah. with the gap, but kind of in the same way. Like it just it seems like what, what you're saying um about Hegel and identity is the same thing. Is that like everyone's looking for like okay, but when is the moment that it was a we became a human like when right. did that like right. historically, when did that happen right? And it's um, well, I don't know, maybe whatever if this podcast exists for for many, many years, maybe we'll we will actually find it, but I think that what Hegel's point is that like whatever it is that you you take to be like human, like when when human happened, it's a lot murkier than just a simple. Uh, like objectively observable development. No,
1: of course. I mean, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Like the that the precise moment is never the precise moment because it's already yeah. th- at every moment along the way. Identity always has difference involved in it. So there's not yeah. like you, there's not like one point where you get to okay, now I really am who I am. I've overcome difference. Like you can think of it <laughs> again. You can think of it in psychoanalytic terms, like. Now I've overcome the like. When is a person responsible for themselves and not just the product of their parents? Yeah, like,
0: sure. Is
1: it when they're eight years old, or is it when they're no? Obviously not. But right, right. You know, at what point you can never like. I don't know. I have I have people I know that are that are in their fifties, and I still say, well, they're still really they're not. They haven't yet reached the point where they're <laughs> they're yet responsible for themselves. Right. So I think that that's. In, in I and mean, that's like eating the goldfish. Like, at what yeah, point yeah. is the goldfish fully assimilated to you? Like, maybe there's never that point. And I think that's yeah. Hegel's idea. And that, that, that to me, nicely is one other way of thinking about, well, the necessity of contradiction, but also the intractability of it. Like, you can't, mm. like you can't get to that final, that point at which identity just is identity right because right, right. you're always eating something <laughs> you're <laughs> always you know you're always got the thing that's external that's coming in and mm-hmm. even if it's not even if it's not eating it could just be and and even if it's something that seems perfectly solid it's still involved in its environment and and taking and and being what it is on the basis of what's around it and what and in hegel's terms what it is not so mm-hmm. that's to me i think that's the really great idea about contradiction, the way in which the thing isn't... And what's interesting is that I think you could go all the way with this, and I think mm-hmm. Derrida thought he went all the way with this, and just say, well, we can't talk about identity at all. Right, 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 right. right, right. right. So he could yeah. ju- you could just say, like, every identity deconstructs itself. You can't talk about identity at all. Right. But yeah. Hegel didn't do that. Like, he no. thought that you can... Re- in order to... And I think this is his... This is, I mean, maybe the most subtle part of his idea, that... That in order to understand the or to grasp contradiction at all, you have to uh, see the way in which identity is actually there, in order to see the way in which it is undermined. So you can't just say, yeah. "Oh, there's just no identity. There's just nothing at all," because then yeah. you end up in the what you've rightly described as a nominalist position.
0: Mm. That's no, that's really interesting. It, like the it it, le- it leads me. Well, I've, I've, I want to make sure that the that we get to this. Uh, like it leads me to think that this uh, precise way of, uh, of understanding country, like, would you say maybe like it comes out like in examples, maybe in Hegel's thought, maybe it comes out the best in his thinking of Christianity.
1: I do think like, that's right. Yeah. I think and, to me, yeah. yeah, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, I was just gonna say, and, like, it makes it, well, so one of the things I think is important to, to, to set up before you, you talk about it is that like, I think, Today, j- just the same as the uh, as uh, like you know Marx and and Engels and everybody else who who went to looked at, at Hegel's thought that who who was an, was an atheist like and I think I think we we have this there's a prejudice that like oh like to like to believe to believe in God is it like it makes you stupid. it's stupid like you yeah. you like it compromises you as a thinker so to think about Hegel that way it means again it's this like this thing that is. I, I didn't necessarily expect this when we started the conversation, but it is a thread that's run throughout everything. Is like, it makes him simpler. So like, yeah. if you want to, so like, if you're going to hold on to the Christianity thing, well, that kind of makes him an idiot. Cause how could he have believed it? And so the, the way to, so how do we redeem, like, this would be Marx's solution. How do you redeem Hegel as a, um, as a, as a complex and worthwhile thinker? Well, you just like, you just get rid of the, you cut the God Christianity off. stuff. Right. You just cut it, you just cut it out. But mm-hmm. it is one of your claims that like, like this is like crucial to understanding like contradiction like in, in, in Hegel's thought.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I think absolutely that, yeah. think it is. Yeah. So I think that this I mean, I just earlier in the car t- conversation called it the catastrophe that he underwent. And I do think <laughs> that's true. This so right wing Hegelianism, the concert, which basically dies out in the eighteen forties, so it doesn't really live that long after Hegel himself lived. Hegel Hegel died in eighteen thirty one. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and the, the divide. <laughs> no, it's yeah. not long at all. And the divide yeah. you know happened right in the eighteen thirties, so right immediately afterward. And then and then the and, and conservative Hegelianism basically died. It was revived a little bit in Britain in the early 20th century and and, and in different places, but it basically had no afterlife. And but, but left Hegelianism, which is the non Hegel without Christianity, Hegel is a left wing thinker of mm-hmm. of political revolution. That mm-hmm. idea of Hegel uh, has had a long afterlife. I mean, that's yeah. been the main afterlife, and um, so so. But but the price of that kind of Hegelianism was the cutting out of Christianity, and I really mm-hmm. think that that was the disaster. And I think because it's through Christianity that we see. So so in I think the first real I think the best early articulation of this is in phenomenology and to so the. As the phenomenology, the section on religion is the penultimate major section, and then absolute knowing is the final one. Mm-hmm. And and in the re, so religion kind moves toward all these different religions, like religion of light, religion of plant, animal, and then it mm-hmm. gets into the end to what he calls the revealed religion. And the revealed religion is sorry for that. Um, the real <laughs> <religion>. <laughs> sorry. The revealed religion is Christianity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Christianity is a revealed religion because it I this how I would put it, that it reveals contradiction. That, mm-hmm. that Christianity reveals what it does is it takes God as the absolute beyond. And I think this is for Hegel a crucial idea of how we think about God. So God is the, mm-hmm. God is, is substantial. So substantial means for Hegel um, self-identical. It means it's mm-hmm. independent. it doesn't depend on anything else. So God is substantial, and it brings that substantial God of the beyond down to the finite world, and it makes God manifest as the most humiliated being when God dies on the cross. So so that mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. death of Christ on the cross for Hegel—and I think what's interesting is most for Hegel that's the key event, and I think for most Christians today— it's not really. I think they they play a little fast and loose with this. Like it's yeah. not really God that dies on the cross. It's just no. a representation. No, because you can't. Because you can't kill God. Because God. You can't God kill God. Everything. Right. 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 It's that, just a yeah. representation yeah. of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I feel like that is the key. That Hegel really is one of the only thinkers to take seriously that Christian idea that the God of the beyond actually dies on the cross, and mm-hmm. that you can. And then so he thinks subsequently you can no longer say oh, things like God only knows or God has a plan or all that yeah. kind of crap mm-hmm. is all mm-hmm. out because that, he thinks, is a pre-Christian way of thinking. So all those would be, to Hegel's mind, heresies in mm-hmm. the Christian mm-hmm. world. And so nice. he thinks... <laughs> no,
0: no, that was, uh, that was nice. I, a, I think a, it's really a, good. And and I yeah, think, he, yeah. you know,
1: for him, that, that Christianity is really a radical religion for that reason. Mm-hmm. Like, And I think, I, th- I mean, I, I almost think that that's the true i think i would go so far as to say that's the true reading of christianity and the things that are passed for it primarily today are just betrayals of it especially like the way catholicism sets up christianity as a world power that's completely yeah, yeah, a betrayal yeah, right. of it right that's that's
0: really interesting well i i think that uh, what's the what's the evidence for the for for the radicality of uh of christianity It's said nobody reads it that way that, right, that like right. it's it's again it's like ego psychology or it's like a, a thinking of, of synthesis thinking of hegel as a philosopher of synthesis it's a way of solving problems rather than a way of of thinking that makes manifest a problem that is inexorable and just you, you, you like needs to be reconciled to not that needing reconciliation like i, I right, think that's right. very very interesting
1: it's interesting you know. that the that the Great anti-Hegelian thinker Soren Kierkegaard, who was Christian, um, he came just after Hegel and was taught Hegel by uh, Friedrich Schelling, who was Hegel's longtime friend and then became enemy. Uh, mm. so, he, so Schelling is actually responsible for Engels and Marx and Kierkegaard all misunderstanding Hegel. So anyway, <laughs> that's not neither that's here funny. nor there. But but Kierkegaard's idea is that you have to this that that the encounter with Christ has to what he calls undergo the risk of offense. And I think that's an interesting thing that we that's have nice. taken that. And the risk of offense would be what you just described, this being reconciled to that this is the figure of God, this mm. figure of some some guy just dead on the cross, that that has mm. to be the figure of God. That's the possible offense. And and I think most Christians recoil from that and say, no, I'm attached to this God up in the sky, who watches mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. me and protects? Right. You know, like who's whatever. Perfect. The, who's? Who's, yeah. who's? Who's?
0: There's no shred perfect, of incompleteness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Or right. or or humility, like or real humility, right? Like right. that. Like. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The notion of God as humiliated, I think, is a really—that's a tough one to, mm-hmm. to stomach. And I think, and but you can see why both people. That it's interesting that I don't know why the left doesn't find that appealing I guess but mm. I guess because religion is so associated as Marx would say in his actually in his critique of Hegel's philosophy of right that that famous line religion is the opiate of the people yeah, um, yeah. you know that it's, it's in his discussion of Hegel that he comes up with that so mm. I, mm. I guess that that's that's such the prevailing view on the left that I think it's hard to integrate that idea of Hegel on religion and on Christianity into a some kind of leftist program, I think
0: I think yeah, i I honestly, I think that the I mean I, I think it's the I think the answer is the um is the the New York Times uh, answer to like why wh- why shouldn't we cancel all student debt or why shouldn't we have uh, universal oh, it's too complicated like that that's red's really basically like that's really ba- base like when you get down to the the, the bottom, like it's just. Like, it's just, it's easier to have two sides come to an agreement. And it's, fine. yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian, you know? I really like that. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Because it's, 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 it would offend, it would offend, like, I think that's what it is. And again, you also, like, with the mainstream left, like, they can't get out of this thing where, like, i I really like this line. It has to cause, it has to cause offense. They can't get away. Like, it's fine for them to offend Trump, obviously, right? Because, right. like, like, really, you know, you should, they should do it more. Right. But, right like, right, right. but, this reading of, of Christianity, like like and in, in, in some way like mobilizing it like politically, which you can totally see, like the idea of the of of like something that you maybe a priori thought is all powerful. No, actually, it's humiliated. It's uh, on 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 the cross, and this is the this is the moment where we you know we can be um like you can re- reconcile with the well like what what else could you graft onto that like like you could like. Uh, there, there's such a there's such a way I, I would say like using that as a metaphor to like to seeing, uh, collectivity and seeing like like couldn't you not see like a political figure like like seeing like that they, they are, debased right and just like right, right. like common like there's this great I forget what American socialist this was that said this um that this great line that he will not rise from the ranks, but when he rises, the ranks rise with him. And that's no, like, really
1: a, yeah, how really is that?
0: Good. That's Christ says that like that's yeah, in the yeah. Bible, but you know, yeah. and, and, but that's not, that's not the, the Christ that is, that's not, um, I, I heard, I saw somebody put it this way on, um, on Twitter. That's not fandom. Jesus okay f- fandom Jesus is what we have it's we don't have canon canon Jesus has the ranks rising with him but fandom Jesus is he's he'll solve all the problems and and he's like uh you know a superhero in a movie like it's right so, right
1: well I mean I think it's the I think it comes down to the question of authority doesn't it like yeah the, yeah, that, yeah that that to so many people that are committed to Christianity are committed to the idea that they want a, they want an authority that they can believe in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think this Hegel's version of God in Christianity is that it it's it's a it's an author, it's still an authority, yeah. But it's an authority that's divided against itself and that's humiliated. So it, it it's an authority that's lost its authorization. I think you can put yeah. that So it's an authority yeah. without yeah. authorization. And I I think that's I find that really compelling, and I, I I think you're right to say that it very it actually is a kind of Christianity that hews very closely to the gospel account of Christ. You know, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not the account in John, but mm, certainly sure. the account in Matthew and Luke. And I think you know, like I, I think of the, you know, there is this great the the timing of some of these things in in the gospel is really interesting. So, so when when Christ says they they said what's what, what's the most important commandment? This is in Luke, and he says, you mm-hmm. know, to to love your Lord your God with all your heart, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then one of the disciples said, well, who is my neighbor? And then immediately after that, he tells the parable of the good Samaritan. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. So isn't that, it it seems very striking to me that when you said like this person who's down and humiliated, like that is the person who is the neighbor. And I think, you know, that that's the, that's the really the Christian idea. And and I think that if you think of that as a, as a way of thinking about contradiction in political terms, Mm -hmm. that, I mean, I think there is a way that that can really, that can resonate politically as a, as a way to, as a kind of position that you could adopt.
0: Yeah, well, it's you know, it, it reminds me it, I, to go back in the earlier conversation, earlier part of the conversation, like you know Freud's um, analysis uh, of like why psychoanalysis would be hard to adopt by people because it is this assault of the ego and the ego would reject it. Yeah, is if what you, if what Christianity, if what religion is, is a radical kind of weakness, which I think certainly reading it like in, in Hegel's way or, or like, I, I think you have to say that it, it, it is, why would you want, like, th- th- of course, yeah, why would of course you you're going to, f- f- yeah, of course yeah. you're going to fly, fly. It's going to be a flight from that. And you're going to have the evangelical Christian thing. Right. Which is that like, uh, God is all knowing and, and, and like, and he has a path for you. You just can't see it. And it's and, like, why the, cause you, the person who's, who's investing in that is already like they're already investing in it because I think maybe this is like armchair psychoanalysis. They're already investing in it because of their like weakened like sociopolitical standpoint, right? Like right, this is right. always the thing where like the televangelists are, are taking thou like millions of dollars from people who have no no money you know the the right. seed money that's the the, the thing that, that they do like if you give you give a um, $1000 it, it's 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 you're, you're seeding this is you're going eventually you're going you're going to reap what you've sown in the in the afterlife and while in this life this guy has just got a yacht from you doing that you know like right. it's um so the the real the real thing well i mean like i i mean i, I see your point because like isn't the like you, you don't? Wouldn't you want to say like if you if if the left was was in a person you'd want to shake it and just be like these are the people who if you speak to them like honestly and plainly and if like in 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 kind of this way and you you like you show them you show them contradiction in this way like there is a chance that they will vote for you.
1: Like, yeah, but it, Ryan, it, it I doesn't mean, just have to be. Yeah, I yeah, I know. No, I agree with that. I I I, t- I totally agree with that. Except I I part of me. Thinks like the way you put it though. Doesn't it make sense why, why, why they wouldn't? people? Of course. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, right. no, yeah exactly of what I was thinking. Like you made such a good case for why why <laughs> people would reject Christianity and would cre- or reject Hegel's version of Christianity and instead glom onto this version of Christianity that sustained God as a beyond yeah. and yes. didn't allow God to be identified with the finite and the, and with the, and with the mutable and with the humiliated. And I think that's, yeah, a, no, because that's I do think it's really, I think it, just like psychoanalysis, I think it's, it's a, I guess the, what is the cell? I guess, I mean, I, I don't, maybe you shouldn't even talk that way, but I think that is, a, <laughs> it just seems like a question, right? Like what is the, what is the cell of that position? Like what is the attractiveness of it? mm I think that's a question. I don't know. I don't have an answer to it. But well, I, I, mean, I, th- I yeah.
0: It's it's well. I think it's funny. Like what just happened was that like I like, um, <laughs> in my in my example, like I I I just did the thing that people tried to do with uh, Freud and 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 with Hegel is is to is to like to eliminate the like inexorability of that like of that contra- Of course, people wouldn't like. Like if you you want to see how how like, I mean this is this is actually, I think what I did was actually deeply ideological. This is what the, this is what the left does all the time is it tries to show people how, uh like like you're you're wrong. These people are taking advantage of you. Like don't you see? And like no nobody wants to see that.
1: No one wants to see that.
0: No one wants yeah. to see that. No one wants to reckon. No one wants to reckon with contradiction, and 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 like, w- w- you know willingly or like because if you're too. At a certain again, oh, maybe this is a very Hegelian point. At a certain point, you become too uh, invested in not seeing it to see it. I think.
1: Right. I think, well, I, I, I think it's if that's th- the point. Yeah, I do think that's part of the point, and I think it's tied to this idea of, like, the idea of this this sticking to the God of the Beyond is, yeah. I think, tied to this, and I think this comes back to the logic of all of Hegel's books and the logic of each section of Hegel's books is that he want so he famously says in the um preface phenomenology that we mm-hmm. must see sub, substance also as subject right and right. i really really like that that line probably has a that should maybe be the epithet on my, on my grave like i think that, <laughs> that that really is important for me and i think that that's what people are not doing and that and and so that christianity is precisely that thing because it's taking the substance of god and showing mm-hmm. how it's also this divided subject. And and mm-hmm. in a certain way, the movement of, of phenomenology and the science of logic is to say, okay, we've shown how substance is subject in this thing. Now let's... Then that spits out another thing that seems to be substantial. Okay, let's undermine that and show how that seeming substance is also itself subject. And that's mm-hmm. the whole movement of the dialectic. And then at the end could say this is why christianity is at the end of the phenomenology like christianity does understand that christianity does get yeah. this idea that substance must be subject that the thing that seems perfect i like the way you said that perfect and and mm-hmm. undivided it then it's it's also humiliated and i guess i i mean the question is how that then becomes can that or, or, or is it like hegel thought that you couldn't make the whole world wouldn't be philosophers. Like, he, he understood yeah. that, right? Mm-hmm. But he did think that religion, specifically Christianity, could, it, it's, it's, that's the way that everybody can come to this philosophical understanding. But what's ironic is mm-hmm. that as more and more people became Christian, they became further and further away from that. Yeah. That, so right, the, the, embracing the idea Yeah, of, embracing, embracing
0: the, the idea of, of of perfection and and all yeah, power and all yeah, knowing and yeah. authority, right? And authority, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think it I think that that didn't and I think that's why so many people are opposed to religion and and Christianity today is because it seems to be the vehicle for this something completely opposite. And I think that just comes to the what I maybe think we should sum up with about this the one final thing about Hegel mm-hmm. is that that People thought that he was, so there was this whole f- belief in him as the philosopher of synthesis, right? But tied to that was this idea that he's actually a, a partisan of the status quo, that he mm. doesn't really want, that he's never a champion of change. And he he very famously says in the preface of Philosophy of Right that philosophy comes on the scene too late, and he yeah. and he says. It paints its gray on gray, and then he has this famous line where he says, the owl of Minerva takes flight only with the falling of dusk. And, you know, that idea, and I think part of what energized the whole leftist, like leftist Hegelianism and the leftist opposition to Hegel, because we didn't even talk about this, the 20th century is all about a leftist anti-Hegelianism, mm. like Foucault, Foucault. Deleuze, that's yeah. Deleuze especially. Yeah, sure. But yeah, um, yeah. but Adorno even, Marcuse, there's a whole you know, even though some of them were indebted to Hegel, they still think about Well, isn't
0: this uh, like really, really quickly on this point? It like somebody asked me, um I, I don't know, I think I was talking about Hegel and they, they said to me like uh like well what about like negative dialectics? And my response was, like, that's dialectics. <laughs> and they and they're like, What do you mean? I was like, that's the way that like the, they they just took it as as what what Hegel's talking about is like is like this positivity of like synthesis and then what they ignored was like this you know the 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 void as Slavoj puts it right like it's not right. synthesis it's void like so what they were what they did what they criticized for like like Hegel for is not what he did and then what they did was what he was trying to, to think through. Was that like, was that like fair?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's really good. And I think, so it's Adorno's wrote the book, negative dialectics. And I right. think that, I mean, his whole, the point of that book is that you're right, that he completely missees Hegel as a thinker of some kind of positivity. Mm-hmm. But I think, Ad, I think in some way Adorno is, is, is guilty of this refusal to see the, it's like, I think Adorno is very close to Derrida that mm-hmm. there's a refusal to see the necessity of any identification whatsoever. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what, you know, like, that he, and and that's a maddening book to read. I think it's like 400 <laughs> pages, and it's, and the point is that he, every step he gets to, he then undermines that, and he constantly, there's this constant self-undermining. Mm. It's, it's like reading Derrida. <laughs> um, but but I, I do think that that is based on a misapprehension and, a, and a making Hegel into this positive, thinker of the status quo and i do think that that's you know that line from philosophy of right does seem like it's there's nothing we can do right like there's all yeah. we can do is all all theory can do is is come on the scene too late and just mm-hmm. and just uh, analyze understand how things are but it can never contribute to making things different and i think that's a you know i think hegel really thought that about himself Mm. But I don't think that's a tenable position, actually, yeah. because isn't it true that, and this is this is why I think if Hegel lived later, he wouldn't have he would have said things slightly differently. That isn't it true that even in the even in your analysis of how things are, you're already articulating a way of how things can be differently, right? Yeah, like, there's no such yeah, thing as just this pure analysis of how things are. I don't No,
0: think. N- no. Well, that's well, that's the. I think one of the the, the ideology of data that that right, we right, right. you know exactly. we kind of talked about earlier exactly. yeah it's just, yeah. it's just like if like we're just going to relentlessly I mean, I mean that's what i kind of think about it is that some i mean some of it's interesting uh, sure but like this like relentless understanding of the like the present that is like soon to be passed is a a willful giving over to the seeing any kind of um, I'm going to use progressive and not the way everyone else uses but like it, it towards seeing a progressive future or, or 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 to put it in terms of this conversation a future that is different that just looks different from the present right. like, uh, yeah I, I think it's it's a it's a seeding it it, it seeds the uh, the the space of of, of theory to like uh, the the museum. Like, I, I don't think... Right, I don't, right, exactly. I, yeah, I, I don't think that's yeah. true. I don't think that's yeah. what he does. Plus,
1: it's yeah. says impossible, right? Like, it's impossible. Yeah. Like, because in your very way of articulating how things are, you're already giving a vision of how things can be. Like, that's just the, yeah. just the nature of an analysis of how things are. And I think Hegel just didn't really... I mean, he was so against the idea of prescribing because he was such <laughs> i think slavoj would say he's such a materialist that you know he thought <laughs> that he thought that action always comes before how you think about things so that first and i think that's actually a psychoanalytic idea too that you that yeah. you don't act you don't act out of some plan instead mm-hmm you act and then you create the plan. The plan
0: oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I think this is, I don't know if I've said this on a previous podcast or not, but like, that's, uh, that's my, that's the whole, we can talk about it another time, but like the, um, like the cognitivist, like film theory, like, like the thing that, that, that um like boardwell and and like uh, and other people have written about is like well actually seeing the image goes through this process in in your brain and we start here it goes into this place and then we recognize and it's like that's not how anybody like you could be completely 100% literally true that's how quite literally we see moving images but that's not how anybody sees a movie in a in a very substantial way like everybody like if, if I saw a movie and you asked me what I thought, like, uh, I just right off the bat, I could say, like, like if I liked it or I didn't. And if you asked me why, I would, like, I could just only have to say, like, I don't know yet. Like, I, right, like, right, I, right, like right, how, right. how, how do you, how, how do you know? Like, you have the, you have the thing that, like, I don't know, like, like, like a light in the good or the bad column comes off. And then you gotta, you have to, it's a retroactive. All the
1: justifications uh, of, come afterwards. Come later. Yeah. Cause, right, and right, the, I mean, right. uh,
0: yeah, exactly. And it's all, right. it's all, yeah, retroactive. And I think that's, so that that's notion.
1: So, right. so I think that that, that's that's a very I mean that's Hegel's idea, and so because he has that idea, he's loath to have theory or philosophy give directions for how practice should work. And I mm-hmm. so so I, I I'm not against that. I think it's pretty. Sure. I think it's pretty good. Um, it's funny because Marx has that famous thesis on the. Uh, Thesis 11 on Feuerbach where he says "Um, philosophers have hitherto only interpreted the world. The point, however, is to change it. Mm -hmm. And Mladen Dolar says we should reverse that, that philosophers have only hitherto tried to change the world. The point, however, is to interpret it. And Dolar's point is Hegel's actually the only philosopher who doesn't try to change the world. The only philosopher who just tries to interpret it. But I don't know if Mladen says this, but in interpreting it, that implicitly... Advocates for a certain kind of change. And I think yeah. this is a way to pick up Hegel's philosophy of uh, in a political direction that he didn't necessarily work out himself, but I think stands on the basis of his thought, and that is to see the way in which whatever direction we move politically, the point would be to sustain and see it find a way to sustain contradiction rather than a way to create some imaginary solution to it. So Mm -hmm. I think that's, Mm -hmm. it's interesting that you can, like even his statement of political quietism, this owl of Minerva only takes flight with the falling of dusk. Even that statement, you can, you can see, uh, you can use that as the basis for understanding, thinking about how we might frame our political action, you know, even though it's a, a a statement about the the impotence of theory. I think
0: yeah, no, I think that's great. And I think that that's a, um, I, I pointed this out to you in a, in a previous episode that that line about the owl of Minerva, like you could almost say, like, if you can, you can read it just like with a spirit rises only when it has been ripped asunder. Like, we're Yeah, right yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 I really that, like, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it, that's kind of like, the, I think that's actually maybe an example where, where Hegel. Like that's contradictory in a in a way that he doesn't reckon with. Because on the one hand, yeah, really right, good. he's yeah. on the one hand he's talking about how spirit right and that's that's the that's the the good the positive, like progressive thing, right? It's like like the, the, the like the idea, like you may even say like the new bursting forth. And then on the other hand, he's using a kind of a similar metaphor. So let, uh, let me just repeat the line. So it's 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 yeah.
1: the life of spirit only wins to its truth when it finds itself radically torn asunder. Okay. Right. So that's a line. That, it's from Preface of Phenomenology that you're
0: from the pre- so. right, right, and so and then the alma Minerva. That's from uh, Philosophy of
1: Right. So what's interesting uh, is yeah. I lo- I love what you're saying, but I think what someone could say is, well, the early Hegel was radical, right? And then, sure. sure the 1820 philosophy of right, Hegel had become conservative. I don't think that's right. I think Hegel never changed. I think he became yeah. Hegel and then he just was himself. But yeah. so can you finish out your thought? Cause I agree yeah. with it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what I, well, what, the, the point I'm trying to make is that like, that I, I think, well, perhaps Hegel himself got too, maybe he got too bogged down in his own minutiae. And, and, and to like, as you said earlier in this podcast, like he's like, like methodically moving through like the 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 life of a, of an idea and the life of thought and that maybe 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 he got to a point where like he he just thought like well i'm only doing this like in this retroactive manner so what what is what is hegel lost hegel's lost that spark from the preface of the ph- of phenomenology yeah, yeah. that you know and 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 that i i think is like, there's do you read I mean, those two together for there. me, though?
1: So, read read uh, yeah. the two lines together because I thought you were putting them together. So, oh no, I am. That, I am. And life and, and, of the spirit, let me just again repeat that. So, it. life of the spirit wins to its truth only when it finds itself radically torn asunder. And then, mm-hmm. the owl of Minerva takes flight only with the falling of dusk. Okay, so, okay. Now, so you so want to read me, those together. Yeah,
0: yeah, okay. So, for me reading them together, I think that um, they, I think that they, what, what word do I want to use? Um, I think that for the, about um, spirit, this is. Uh, as I said this like a minute ago. This is about. Um, this is about the new. This is. This is. This is. This is radicality. This is. This is. Uh, this is new. Like again, the new capital N, right? Yeah. This is okay. b- bursting forth, right? Yeah. Okay, and then the owl of Minerva, okay. okay, only taking flight. This. This is as you said. This is well, like. We can only look back. We can never do something new. But it, to me, it's it is very similar in metaphor. Yet for Hegel, the um, the the end, like the the the, the meaning, are are radically opposed. And I and I think that he, if someone brought this up to him, I th- I think he would agree with what he said in the preface. Like, I, so you I think, think I, there
1: is a change in those two, from the one to the other.
0: Well, I, I do, well, I do. I mean, like, I, th- I think that if, if the, if the point is that we can only, well, if the, if the point is that we can only see backwards, but there's maybe this is what it is. What, what, I, I think that, um, they signify the same, but the connotation has changed. Okay. Okay.
1: Good. That, that's, that's good. my whole point. Good. I think okay, they,
0: okay. I think they say, sig- I think they signify like I- exactly the, the, the same, and that this is like how another, uh, another way I guess you could read, um, Hegel consistently as a thinker of, um. Uh, like a, a radical thinker and a progressive one, if you want to use that
1: word. Yeah, yeah, I but, think. Yeah, let's, let's try not to use that term. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> no, no, I know it's maybe irresistible, but um, yeah. I do. I think you're right. I think that the the idea of it's winning to its truth, so being torn asunder is being riven by contradiction, right? So, yeah. So we we understand we see ourselves riven by contradiction, and the falling of dusk is precisely right. this time of contradiction becomes visible, right? So I think you're right to say there may be both just two different ways of looking at the same event. And there's something, you know, there's something maybe ripe in the falling of dusk. There's something at that point at which you can really recognize something that then... Can serve as a guide wire, yes, for your mo- politics moving yeah. forward. But again, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. thing
0: that's changed is a connotation, which is like, for yeah, like, yeah, I like, like that. With a that lot. Yeah, I the like later a lot. line, it's like, well, yeah, well, we're always going to do this. Whereas in the earlier one, it's like, no, this is how this is how new things happen. This right. is this is this is a radical thing. Like we're we're it's it, you you, I mean he de- he designates this in the beginning of phenomenology of spirit, and basically like this, and then in the rest of the book, what he's going to do is he's go like he's going to show how you get to you know you get to absolute knowing but just how this how this occurs and like and and you need i mean he's very insistent about this that you don't have like you don't have a pure idea and now there's no contradiction to it it's only you only have you only have um and i know i'm using a word that does Hegel have Hegel has specific meanings for things like idea i'm i'm not Doing that way, just but you only. No, have that's an idea. okay. Yeah, what, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You only have you only have an idea when it is when it is reconciled with uh, contradiction. What with no? Two, or, like that, no
1: that. I think actually it's interesting. You you just used idea in precisely the Hegelian oh, exactly. sense of the term. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was really good. That was really good. Yeah. you're unconsciously being Hegelian.
0: Okay, so before we end, uh, I just like this last thing that we did. I think we just did a lot, like very quickly. So if you wanted to, like. uh, I think you're, I think you're, you're in a better position to, to kind of like put, put this together than, uh, than, than I am at the. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure.
1: Yeah. 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 So I think that, so, so, so first of all, so the idea, so if we take contradiction as Hegel's overriding thought and that the point is that we, that contradiction is something that we can only reconcile ourselves to, that we can't overcome it. And that the main misreading of Hegel has been this idea that we could, somehow overcome contradiction through synthesis, and that that's the direction of of his thought. and that Christianity is the main popular version of articulating absolute contradiction, where the absolute beyond bit gets married to the most humiliated form of finite existence. And then that that in some way that that's the that's the Hegelian enterprise and that an absolute knowing is, grasping that contradiction is, is inexorable and that you can't, mm-hmm. and that you can't finally get over it. And so I think that's the, to me, that's the, if, if you want to, you want to put Hegel into a nutshell, that's what, that's what I would say his main project is what he's getting yeah. at. Mm.
0: And that, and that, I think the the point that we sort of got to at the end is that like, even though at some point like Hegel lost the sense that it was radical
1: Yeah, I think that's really true. Like part of what I and this is what I'm trying to do in Emancipation after Hegel is that I want to see the way in which there's a political project there in Hegel that he himself doesn't fully grasp, and Mm. I think part of the reason why left wing Hegelianism and 20th century anti-Hegelianism cropped up was because that he never fully articulated that part of his philosophy that political project of his philosophy mm. and i think part of what and i think Slavoj Zizek in, in less than nothing is trying to do this a lot too is to see the way in which there is a there is a political project there within the philosophy of contradiction and that mm. you can actually think about left and right in terms of their relation to contradiction and i think that's something that is really really important and and provides a kind of political hegel that has i mean i don't think hegel's ever been confused with liberalism although Mm -hmm. i shouldn't say that because there's a whole there's a whole like robert pippen robert brandon they try to turn hegel into a liberal but uh and there's i think some textual warrant for that but i do think that there is this other idea of a of a much more radical hegelian political project that we can we can find and we can cling to excellent
0: i um i think the uh the lesson is obvious, is it not, Todd?
1: I think the lesson is obvious. Although the question is which the the lesson is read Hegel. The question is, it, it, there's so many. Which <laughs> where to start? Well,
0: <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, I think we've thrown. If you were gonna have okay, if I it could not. If if
1: uh, we if, did, it where to start in Hegel? I think
0: we definitely know? did. But if if you oh yeah, that's right. We we totally did that in previous podcast. But yeah. um, on, that was a long time ago, long time so. ago. But if you couldn't pick. Uh, phenomenology of Spirit or Science of Logic, uh, which would, what would you pick? What would you say?
1: Uh interesting. So I don't get the two most important books. No, um, you don't. No. I would say The Encyclopedic Logic. I think I said this last you time. You did say that, that last it, time. That it, that I did say that last time. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a pretty good start. So, so, but that's not very catchy. Read The Encyclopedic Logic. <laughs> uh, that's the lesson. that's, that, the that's our lesson. That's our lesson. <gasps> okay. All right. Over and out, Ryan.
0: Over and out.